welcome to the second DCM podcast of the year. Once again, it's Zoe Jones, Marketing Insight Director at DCM Hosting. And this month, I'm very excited. We have a very special guest. Yes, he's back. It's Tom Linnae. He's just returned from India. And as he's just got back, I'm still going to host it. But I'm very excited that we get to chat to him again for the first time in 2019. Welcome back, Tom. Hello. Hi, Tom. Uh, well, I would like to say that uh, I was prepared to host this as well, but I have I only got back uh, into the office yesterday. And so I and I had a total blanket, uh, not ban, but uh, avoidance of film news, basically. So I am probably not in the best position to chat about the last <laughs> month's films or them films coming up but I'm going to do it anyway that's never stopped me in the past but you've seen them all anyway didn't I have you seen last them all. year yeah so I saw them all yeah, last year exactly right. that's correct and there's lots to look forward to so we'll, we'll cover a bit of a few different topics today exactly uh, I was thinking first of all maybe we'll just start by looking back at last year Tom as we haven't had that discussion yet um, I've touched this with Maisie but it was an amazing year for cinema particularly considering it was a world cup year it was massively hot um, why do you think that was and why was it so massive well, uh, when you look at the films that really over-delivered, you know, it far exceeded expectations. Uh, there were some real pl- surprises in there. At the start of the year, we would never have forecasted that Bohemian Rhapsody, which at the time was coming out on Boxing Day, but it moved to um, October, would do deliver over um, 5 million DCM admissions, you know, a really, one of the biggest successes of recent years. Uh, and then also things like The Greatest Showman, which while it came out on Boxing Day the, in 2017, it delivered the lion's share of its admissions in 2018. And then I think films like the, the two that I've mentioned, along with Mamma Mia, which was another film which did uh, well over um, 5 million DCM admissions, they are genuine feel-good films. I mean, they obviously have a music theme, and I think that is something that is really resonating with audiences at the moment. Um, but they're, we're currently going through a period in society which is not the most positive, and I think those films genuinely were uplifting and offered some escapism, which cinema does very well. And then, and uh, as, as I've just mentioned, musicals are having a golden period. And another film which uh, far exceeded expectations was A Star Is Born. Yeah. Uh, again, in the latter half of the year, and I think it was in the latter half of the year where admissions really did kick on. I mean, we're at. We're, the position sort of in August, September, was we were looking to finish, likely we would finish um, on a par uh, with 2017. But in uh, October, November, December, when we had Bohemian Rhapsody, when we had A Star Is Born, uh, that's when emissions really did stretch ahead. And uh, I think people are really appreciating the cinema environment and the escapism that that provides at the moment. I think as well, we've had way more films do really big numbers, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, if you look back to the Lego movie, which was the biggest films, was it 2014? 2014, yeah. I mean, going back to box office, that did £34 million. I mean, last year we had, I think, five that did over 50. Yeah. You know, it's these are really impressive numbers. And um, I think competitive pricing from the cinemas and subscription models and Meerkat movies has all contributed to a kind of perfect storm of people really enjoying the cinema in 2018 and I think that's going to continue in 2019 especially with the the caliber of films we've got coming out and again there will be some pleasant surprises I mean this time last year we weren't talking about Bohemian Rhapsody as I said it moved forward into 2018. Because you went to Sydney Europe didn't you last yeah. year which is a, a, a great flagship event showcasing a lot of the upcoming content and they were talking about it there but I remember you coming back and you were excited about it a bit. 
I don't think anyone could have predicted quite how well it's done. No, I mean, when I got back from Sydney Europe in June, the, I think it, Bohemian Rhapsody was the one film where everyone came away going, OK, this looks like it's going to be big. The excitement that uh, it generated within the room, the uh, excitement it was clear that 20th Century Fox had for the film. And when 20th Century Fox back a film, they really genuinely uh, go uh, all in. And I came back, th- I mean, there were people talking in the room like, oh, this could be a £50 million film. I mean, it's a big... Uh, risk to say it's a 50 million pound film but we, we all thought okay this is um you know 30 million plus and uh, it proved to be the case and i think it's far exceeded expectations it's now on 54 million it's just one best actor oscar and it was the most awarded film on oscar night um so uh, i think it will probably be in cinemas for a few weeks yeah and Queen will just keep on keep on going. Yeah, unfortunately, Queen will just keep on going because I'm not a Queen fan. Um, you an Adam Lambert fan? Um, uh, I I avoid Queen's music at all um, opportunities. So um, I couldn't tell you if Adam Lambert is good as as singing Queen at singing Queen songs. But I'm happy that you know that. Queen fans, Queen fans have stood yep. because my dad is a Queen fan and I just will give this a little bit of context my dad is a massive Queen fan and I think he's never been more disappointed in me than when I told <laughs> him that I wasn't a Queen fan um, and uh, so um, yeah that's why I, I grew up ha- listening to Queen a lot and as a result I think it's my one form of rebellion is <laughs> you know teenage it. rebellion some people go smoking some people you know go off the rails no I just decided to not like Queen and you touched on the Oscars there. Obviously, we have to talk about that. Um, big night on Sunday. And um, what were your thoughts on um, the winners on the night? Well, it was a really varied selection of winners. And I, and I am up to date with who won the Oscars. It, so this is, um, I'm, I feel at least Back slightly qualified to talk about this part. Um, I, it was a really varied selection of winners. And for representation, which Ox- the Oscars have been um, uh, uh, talked about and accused of, um, a lack of representation in recent years. It was a really um, in, a good selection of films. It was great to see Spike Lee win his first Oscar. I thought his speech was great, and um, particularly his hug with Samuel L. Jackson. There's not a single person in the world who wouldn't be delighted for Olivia Colman. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, it's sad for Glenn Close. He's now the most nominated, most nominated yeah. actress without winning. Uh, and Amy Adams is only just behind her. Um, I think they've got seven and six nominations, respectively. But... Um, I think really exciting to see Olivia Colman win. I think her speech was delightful, as everything she tends to do is delightful. Uh, I mean, Rami Malek, I think, if you said two months ago Rami Malek was going to win the Oscar for Best Actor, it would have felt like a surprise. But over the recent weeks, he's I mean, throughout up, awards season, he's y- been recognised. Yeah, he's picked up everything. Almost, he won the BAFTA. Um, it seemed inevitable that he was going to win it at that point. Um, so I think it's a shame being Welsh, but that's not the only reason. It's a shame, I think, for Christian Bell, because I think that performance was brilliant. Um, I, I know in recent years we've had Gary Oldman put on the prosthetics, and now he was unrecognisable as, as Dick Cheney, but he really didn't inhabit that role, and I, I loved that film. But I mean, it's interesting. I, I read a um, something from Chris Tapley, who's the awards editor of Variety, who said that 12 of the last 15 best actor winners I think have been playing real uh, uh, real people right. uh, or historical characters which shows that you know if you go if you're playing a well-known person you've got a good chance at yeah. an Oscar which I think is slightly disappointing because it probably uh, is well I don't know I know I'm, I've never been an actor but I've 
think there's often a lot of joy to be had from someone creating a character from scratch, you know. I mean... It, well, Glenn Close clearly needs to play a real person. Yeah, exactly. And then she can finally win. That's I, mean, it, it, the, I mean, mimicry is obvious. There is uh, so, something to be said for that, but we're a the Academy are clearly favouring that over people creating original characters at the moment, and I hope that does change at some point, you know. But, um, but again, I think, you know, now that there's uh, up to 10 Best Picture nominees... It's there's always going to be some good films nominated. Uh, whether the right film won, won or not, I'm not so sure. But there were some really good films in that selection. And what the Oscars does is it does shine a light on um, some of these uh, smaller films as well. Things like Black Klansman, which I think uh, you know is one of the best films of last year. And uh, wh whether it was, um, Green Book was the right winner or not, I think that. Oscars shining uh, a light on some of these smaller films is always it's a good thing. It's great to see the bigger films in there as well. You know, it's great to see Black Panther in there. Yeah. Uh, is that the first time Marvel have been nominated for Best yeah, Picture? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is the first time Marvel have been nominated for Best Picture. And again, uh, an important film, Black Panther, and it won two technical awards as well for Best Costume as well, which I think is a really great award because the costumes in it were incredible and there were some real in amazing creative costumes in there and... Um, I think no one would begrudge Black Panther some awards. I mean, and Ryan Coogler, who's the director, I mean, it didn't win Best Picture, but he'll be back at some point. I mean, hopefully he's he will alternate between making these big budget um, blockbusters and uh, the films like Creed, because I think he's a, one of the best young directors around. Do we know what's next for him, what his next project is? No, I don't. I think he is doing the next Black Panther film, but I don't know if that will be the next one. Uh, he, he produced Creed 2, um, but I, don't, I think his next one will probably be the sequel to Black Panther. So, so keeping on the Marvel theme then, and moving into looking ahead what we've got in store this year, it's a pretty big Marvel year, um, starting next week with Captain Marvel. Yep. Um, what are your thoughts about how, what Marvel are doing um, this year and what you're most excited about? I know you're not maybe as big a Marvel fan as me, but you can't deny the quality of the films they're making and the spectacle we've got to look forward to. No, I mean, I, that, I'm not a massive Marvel fan, but I enjoy their films. Uh, I, and I think Captain Marvel looks like it'll be a lot of fun. I like the, I love the 90s. Yeah, theme, the 90s scene. We've moved from the 80s now from Thor Ragnarok and now we're into the 90s. Uh, I'm happy to see uh, Samuel L. Jackson playing a prominent role as Nick Fury. Uh, I mean, the first reviews are raving about yeah. it, aren't they? Particularly Brie Larson's performance. Marvel have just got this formula absolutely nailed. I mean, all their films are entertaining and they just don't seem to be out put a foot wrong at the moment. And the, uh, but this is an interesting year for them because once Avengers Endgame comes out, it's interesting to see what happens from there because you imagine in Avengers Endgame we're going to see the last performances uh, last appearances from Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, Chris Evans as Captain America. So this is, I mean, th next year is when I think it gets really interesting for Marvel, but this year I think they'll just be as big as ever. I mean, Captain Marvel, uh, I mean, coming out on International Women's Day, which is a perfect date for it, uh, is going to do well. And then Avengers Endgame is probably going to be worldwide one of the th top three biggest films of all time. I mean, you could see it coming second to Avatar that's how big this film is going to be and you know that's out on the 25th of April um, uh, one of the things I think they get so right is the is the introduction of comedy which they hadn't always done in the in the, the first few Marvel films of this kind of era but I feel like there's not so many big comedy films uh, come out these days so I think they've really taken on that mantle I mean Thor Ragnarok's one of my favorite films of last year um, and it, it's just really funny we watched it again maybe twice in the last few months it's um it's brilliant yeah I think I think what they've realised is that 
if you make them funny, you get in the more casual observers. So uh, if it becomes bogged down in sort of ca- comic book canon and appeasing all um, uh, the really hardcore fans, it will. Pro- I think they found that you can alienate other people. Whereas if you just make it funny, it becomes more accessible. And if we all, we, I mean, we all understand who the main characters are now. I mean, you, even if you've got a, um, a passing interest in Marvel films, you know who, who and what Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr., um, uh, sorry, Tony Stark and Iron Man are and do, and the Hulk and Captain America. Uh, so they've just really worked on the humour. and But they've kept the really hardcore fans happy too. There's yeah. enough in there for everybody, isn't there, to take something different out of. It's an amazing um, balancing act, and I think we can't take it for granted. I mean, I grew up uh, watching films in the 90s, and blockbuster films in the 90s were frequently disappointing, and Marvel haven't disappointed anyone for a number of years now, and that's, uh, and that's you know, we can't take that for granted. I think, it's, and again, this will be another major year for Marvel, and I think a major year for superhero films as well. I mean, in terms of Marvel's obviously one part of the whole Disney um, slate we've got to look forward to. I mean, they've, they've gone huge this year, haven't they? I mean, Disney. we talked about some other distributors as well, obviously, what, what else we're looking forward to, but to have three live-action adaptations in the same years as, yep. as two of the biggest Marvel potential films, and then throw in Frozen 2 and Toy Story 4, I mean, I mean, what they're going to do next year? Uh, I mean, it's a it's a good <laughs> but question. They have, but they've already told us that next year's epic as well. Yeah, I mean, and we've got Star Wars as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, how, how could I forget that? Yeah, that yeah, that's that the, the biggest of, of all time. Uh, it's a. I think this will be the biggest year for a distributor in history, and it wouldn't surprise me if it remains that way for a while. I mean, uh, but but then Disney have uh, have, you know, they've got so many properties to work with and. Uh, they're working with so many creative people that you could see them surpassing it next year again. But this year will genuinely be the biggest year for a distributor in history. I can't see that not being the case. And uh, I mean, it's it, interesting on the animated title side um, because a lot of people might think of those traditionally family films, but the excitement in our office for Fro- when the Frozen 2 um, teaser trailer came out, and equally with Toy Story 4, we did some research last year that showed that that was the most anticipated film in the 1634 audience. I mean, Toy Story 4 is not a family film. It is a film for everyone. I, I mean, I, I look call at... call it a four-quadrant film, I would Tom. call it a four-quadrant film, a film where everyone of both genders or, or all genders um, uh, 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 should be excited to see it and will be excited to see it. I mean, Toy Story 3 is the biggest animated film of, of all time. People grew up with Toy Story. I mean, I went to see Toy Story 1 at the cinema when it came out in 95, I think it was. I mean, I, and I was a teenager then uh, and now I'm 23 years, 24 years later and I'm just as excited to see Toy Story 4. And, there, and there'd be people, you know, like my, I went with my family, my dad and stuff, such like, and he'll be excited to see Toy Story 4. And Were you surprised they brought it back after such a perfect trilogy? I mean, no, I wasn't. given the success, probably not. But no, I'm not surprised because <laughs> Toy Story is Pixar's biggest uh, yeah. uh, um, property. And I don't mind if the number of sequels you get as long as sequels are, are you know, there's a reason for it to exist and the story's good. And let's face it, Toy Story 3 we were all pretty skeptical about it but it turned they gave it a reason to to exist and if they can do the same with Toy Story 4 and to be honest I'm very excited by the trailers I love the addition of Key and Peele as the um, two characters at the carnival uh, I think the carnival setting will offer a, is going to be ripe for comedy so much imagination yeah there's going to be and so much they can do and and they've never 
m- not nailed the pathos in these films because they're always so moving as well. I can't wait for Toy Story 4. Genuinely, I think that's my, the film I'm most looking forward to this summer. Okay, so, so tell us a few others then that you're most looking forward to coming up. 2019. Well, in just a few weeks' time, we've got Us, the latest film from Jordan Peele. Absolutely terrifying. Yep, and that I'm, I love Jordan Peele. Um, I loved, his, you know, when his work with Keegan Michael Key. Uh, I loved Get Out. I thought that was one of the best films of 2017. I mean, obviously, it won, he won the Oscar for best. Um, uh, yeah, as you uh, know, I can't watch horror films, but. Get Out was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, Get Out wasn't that scary. This no. one looks genuinely <laughs> no, but scary. I watching us. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, Lupita Nyongo. Uh, I mean, this is people. What I love is that horror films, good quality, good, good directors are directing horror films, and they're attracting good actors. And just Lupita Nyongo in the um, in a horror film, I think, is incredibly exciting. And the and the trailer's tra- amazing. Yeah. I mean, the use of that awesome song and how the they loonies, make that. The loonies. Yeah. Even more creepy the, the longer the trailer goes. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Yeah, this is. A st- I think this is one of the standout horror films of the year. It's twenty second of March. It's Jordan Peele. He's also um, working on the Twilight Zone on TV, so he's really committed to um, horror. horror and sci fi and such like. Um, uh, yeah, very. I think us in the immediate future is the film I'm most looking forward to. And then just a week after that, we've got Captive State, which I'm very excited about, which is a sci fi from the director of Rise of the Planet of the Apes, uh, set in the US, where aliens have colonised I think yeah, I think what's interesting about this one is it's a different premise we normally yeah. see aliens trying to take over Earth this is set about 10 years after it's happened yeah. and then it, it's seen from both sides isn't it which I think is a really different premise from what a traditional aliens inv- invasion film yep. has given us I'm also looking forward to a film called 8th Grade uh, at the end of April which won a, ma- uh, won a major awards at the, I think it was the Independent Spirit Awards recently which is from Bo Burnham the comedian his director- directorial debut uh, I'm also looking forward to John Wick Chapter Three because Keanu that. Reeves is my favourite action hero and he's I, on a horse. Yeah, and John Wick one. in Chapter Two, he's on a horse and you know Keanu Reeves, John Wick on a horse. That's <laughs> all. They, that's what they should have called it, John Wick on a horse. Uh, I would be very. <laughs> and excited the dog's about. still there. The horse doesn't replace the dog. It's no, just no, an there addition. is a dog as well. There's also another horror film which you probably won't watch on the 31st of May called Ma. Which another horror film, which has attracted a good, uh, uh, you know, big name director in Tate Taylor, who directed The Girl on the Train and The Help, uh, and it stars uh, Octavia Spencer in the lead, uh, who is a brilliant actor, and it's Blumhouse who make uh, a lot of the standout horror films nowadays, uh, and Octavia Spencer is a lonely woman who basically befriends these teenagers. Don't and don't do it, Octavia. Yeah, uh, no, no, she's the bad person. Oh, oh okay. She's the bad Spoiler. person. So, um, and then. There's, there's some really good ones in Q2 with uh, Late Night on the 7th of June, which played at Sundance. It's written by Mindy Kaling and stars Emma Thompson as a, a talk show host. It's Dame Emma Thompson. Yeah. Huh? D- uh, yes, Dame Emma Thompson is a talk show host who thinks she might be losing her job. And she seems to be a similar sort of character to Meryl Streep in Devil Wears Prada. Can't wait for that. Uh, I'm also looking forward to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Tarantino's yes. new one, which is 9th of August. What do you think um, about his take on that era? Do you think it's going to be very off-field? I mean, it's sort of around the time of the Manson murders, isn't it? Yeah, I mean... Have you heard much more about what it's going to particularly focus on? I don't know. Um, I'm really waiting for the trailer because it must be, there must be a trailer due soon. I mean, Tarantino is not known for his subtlety and this is a store, this is an era and story that um, could press some buttons. Mm. Um, but, I mean, his films often surprise and he's a tra- he's a attracted a, a stellar cast. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio gets involved in one film yeah. a year at most. And he was so brilliant in Django Unchained yeah. for Tarantino. And it's got 
Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie and Al Pacino. That's as good a cast as we're going to see this summer. And uh, a period, uh, ni- that, that period of 19, late 1960s LA, that seems to fit really well with Tarantino's style. Let's, um, I'm, I'm excited I to see the first the, trailer, which should be due any time. The stills that have been released so far alone just really seem to be so evocative, and particularly the one of Leo d- dancing. Yeah. It's, it's getting us excited. And there was a film uh, coming out that's just come on the schedule in August that again played at Sundance and had really stellar reviews and it's directed by friend of DCM Gurinder Chada who we um, had on our panel at Adweek two years ago and it's called Blinded by the Light and it's about a I think it's about and of uh, my my knowledge of this is slightly sketchy because I've not been in the country but um, it's about a young Pakistani boy growing up I think in Luton in the 80s who is a massive Bruce Springsteen fan and uh, it features the music of Bruce Springsteen. It's had t- really great reviews. Uh, I'm, I'm all in for a crowd-pleasing musical-led film featuring the music of Bruce Springsteen. I mean, talking of that type of film, we finally know what the untitled Danny Boyle slash Richard Curtis movie is now. I yes. Mean, maybe if you had a chance to see that trailer. I have watched the trailer for this one. And again, this is a, that was a very good segue. Sorry, you've done this before. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yesterday, on the 28th of June, uh, again, this was on the schedule for a while as Untitled Danny Boyle or Richard Curtis film. It, we didn't know much about it, except that it was rumoured to star Ed Sheeran and feature the music of the Beatles. And then the trailer came out a couple of weeks ago, and it just looks like it's going to be a massive hit. A real big feel-good summer hit. I mean, the, the premise is a young a man who is a struggling musician um, gets involved in an accident and bangs his head or something and wakes up in a world where the Beatles never existed, but he knows all He's the Beatles the only songs. Person, so he basically starts <laughs> singing all these fa- you know, famous songs like Yesterday, obviously, hence the title, and Hey Jude, and people think he's written them. And suddenly becomes a global superstar. Yeah, it's a re- I think it's a it's a very Richard Curtis premise, yeah. but it looks like it's handled with real charm and the cast is great. People like Lily James, Kate McKinnon. I think this one will be a big one. It's the 28th of June. And again, uh, that f- whole feel-good thing. Um, yeah. And the other big musical-inspired number, we've got Rocket Man. Rocket Man on 24th of uh, May. Again, Bohemian Rhapsody has shown that p- there is a real appetite for these films. And this looks... I actually think this looks more interesting than Bohemian Rhapsody. I think it looks like it digs more into Elton John's life. It doesn't... Is not. I mean, Elton John seems to be a celebrity who's very happy to talk about yeah his um you know his uh difficulties and struggles with alcohol abuse and drug abuse and such like and i don't think the film's going to shy away from that and i think what also sets this apart is that taron edgerton's doing his own singing which i think should uh you know will hopefully uh have real impact especially in the big six you know it's uh, like Bohemian Rhapsody, it's going to finish with a big concert scene, and but it looks like it's got more sort of um, surrealism involved, and you know, just, just looks like it's going to be slightly more creative than Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm, I'm I'm intrigued to see this one, and I my, I, don't, I quite like Elton John, so I'm yeah. happy. Yes, yeah, so, prefer so I'm, him to Queen. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so as a result, I'm excited about this one more than Bohemian Rhapsody. So okay, so looking at the second half of the year, then Tom, what are your sort of top three picks as we go into our biggest? Quarter four, which is historically always so massive. And we've got some huge films. Yeah, I mean, quarter four, 
uh, again, the end, end, last part of this year is just insane because uh, we've got Joker, which I'm excited about. Uh, uh, the other co- uh, so comic book that film that I'm excited about. Joaquin Phoenix is a Joker, yes. But also I'm very keen to see The Goldfinch, which is an adaptation of Donna Tartt's Pulitzer Prize winning novel uh, directed by John Crowley, who did Brooklyn. Uh, it's an epic book and a really fascinating story, and they've cast it brilliantly with Ansel Elgort and Nicole Kidman. So I'm very excited about that on 11th of October. And then I'll choose one from each month. 15th of November, there's a film called Last Christmas, which... Is it Wham? Yes. <laughs> and I love... I mean, I love George Michael. George Michael is one of my favourite people ever. So he went, didn't go for Queen, but he went for Wham. No, I went for Wham and George Michael in a big way. And there's a film called Last Christmas. It's directed by Paul Feig. It's co-written by Emma Thompson. It's a London, okay. it's a London set comedy featuring the music of George Michael. That... I'm all in that for that one. All in. I uh, I love Paul Feig. I love George Michael. I love um I love the song Last Christmas. I can't wait for that. And then finally, it's got to be Star Wars Episode Nine on the nineteenth of December. What about cats. Yeah, not cats. Uh, no, I'm joking. Cat. I mean, Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cats. I my girlfriend knows the words to every song from Cats. Um, so uh, I feel like I get a, a performance of that musical most weeks. Um, but again, that's. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they make these cats come alive. I mean, it's Judy Dench, Idris Elba, Taylor Swift, Jason Derulo. What a cast. Who hasn't been waiting for that cast to be assembled? Uh, and um, singing magical Mr. Mistopheles and all the classic hits from Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cats. But it's not Star Wars, which yeah. is out on the same weekend, and I can't wait to see what happens. We've, I'm very excited to see the trailer. I'm assuming Star Wars Celebration in April will get the trailer. But, uh, but What do you think about J.J. Abrams returning to do the final one of this sort of trilogy i mean i like the force awakens i really like the last jedi as well i love what they've been doing with star wars i rewatched solo a star wars story on a plane a couple of months ago and i enjoyed that again i like what they're doing with these i like the new characters i think jj abrams is a safe pair of hands i think it will be a really spectacular end to the trilogy and i think they while obviously there will it will be open for these characters to return i think there is going to be a sense of closure on this one and for that reason i'm very excited Cool. So I think we've got a lot to look forward to. Was there anything else, Tom, that you wanted to highlight or tell us any fascinating story from India before we go? Well, well, the only film... (laughs) Did you go to the cinema in India? I did go to the cinema in India. I really wanted to go see Simba, which was the big um, uh, Bollywood title that came out on late December. But I couldn't get a ticket at the cinema I wanted to see, which is the Regal, which is a beautiful art deco cinema in Mumbai. But the only film that I saw while I was away and not entirely proud of it, was Alita Battle Angel. (laughs) Because I was waiting for a flight and it was on at the cinema right near uh, where we were staying. So I went to see Alita Battle Angel and um, it was was a film. And um, (laughs) it was quite fun though because they had an interval right in the middle just as one of the big action sequences were about to kick off. So I don't think they they placed the interval... You know, they didn't actually actively choose where to put the interval. They just like, right, the midpoint of the film, we're putting an interval. Wow. So just as this accident sequence in this bar was about to kick off, the film stopped. And then there was a 15-minute break uh, and they had an ad reel in the break. No ad reel beforehand, but an ad reel during the oh. break. Interesting but, model. Yes. But everyone seemed to like it. It was a lot of fun. It was not, uh, you know, it was a fu- it was a fun film. I was so happy to have you back, Tom. It's good and to be back. You will be back in the in the hosting seat next month. But uh, yeah, really enjoyed chatting to you. Thank Thanks, you. Zoe. See you all next month. Bye.